Okay, if you have a Bible, do you want to head in the direction of uh, the book of 2 Thessalonians? Um, if, uh, if you've not been with us recently, or you're visiting or something, uh, we are currently working our way through the books of 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and um, one of the blessings or slash challenges of working through a book uh, in the way we do, in terms of, you know, just plodding through it, is that you sometimes uh, hit passages you otherwise wouldn't, um, wouldn't, wouldn't preach from. And uh, uh, I, I have learned I really need to pay a lot more attention to the preaching rotor, which, which I do. Uh, because this morning, this morning, I am preaching on 2, Thess- two Thessalonians chapter 2 um, about the Antichrist. <laughs> So anyway, we trust that God has got something for us uh, in it this morning. I know he has. All his word is for, uh, he's good for encouraging, correcting, building us up. So I trust that he has something for us this morning. If you've been reading ahead, maybe to, you know, beyond to chapter 2 and 3, uh, first of all, why didn't you warn me this was coming up? Yeah, that would have been helpful. But no, in chapter 3, you'll read that uh, it, it, Paul writes about there's been some, some misunderstandings that had led to, to idleness and people quitting their job. And uh, in verse 11 of chapter 3, Paul writes, we hear some of you are idle and disruptive. You're not busy, you're busy bodies, he says. Uh, and such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. What happened is that, uh, as we'll read about in, in chapter 2 in a moment, people had thought the end times were upon us. And, uh, you know, Jesus, the day of the Lord, Jesus returning, it had already happened. And so they were kind of quitting their jobs and uh, just, just you know, waiting for, for Christ to return again. And uh, Paul was saying, no, no, it's not that time yet. Don't quit your job, you know, don't just, uh, uh, you know, sit around to be idle. Um, in, in fact, in, across, end times are a, a big theme across these two letters. And in, in, in the first letter, it's very much about uh, going through suffering and kind of the view of the future through suffering, through difficult times. But in, in this book, it's a lot about just, just getting back to being daily life the daily walk of a believer with view to the end time. So let's read in uh, chapter 2, verse 1, and we'll, uh, we'll plod through it and uh, draw a few points together for us uh, this morning. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled. Don't, don't quit your job. Don't be shaken. Don't, don't lose your mind. Don't lose your senses. Don't, don't lose any sense of reason, Paul's saying. Don't become easily unsettled or alarmed. Don't be, don't be frightened. Don't be scared by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord had already come. The day of the Lord, that's talking about the, the second coming of Christ. Jesus returning again, being gathered up to be with him, to be with the Lord. And, and there was confusion here in this church in, in Thessalonica. There was confusion about it. And there was darkness around them. People, people were suffering and dying and losing their lives and being persecuted. And there, was, there were dark times and folk were scared and fearful. And they were kind of thinking, is this, is this the day of the Lord? Is this, is this it? Is this where it's happening? And Paul wants to correct them and, and, uh, and, and encourage them not to be alarmed, not to be unsettled, not to be confused. Verse 3, don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be 
God. This is Paul writing about the Antichrist. You can read a little bit more about it in, in uh, 1 John and, and 2 John, this, uh, this man who, will, who opposes God and put himself in the place of God, claiming to be God. He's a deceiver, he's a liar, not Satan himself, but a, uh, an agent of Satan, you know, a man who, who sets himself, opposes himself against God, seeking to be, to be God, seeking to be God. And uh, he's a deceiver, Paul writes here. He's a deceiver. And this is really Satan's strategy from the, from the, from the get-go, isn't it? In, in Genesis 3, he's a deceiver. Did, did God really say that? You know, did God really mean that? Can, can God really be trusted? And this, this man, this Antichrist, he will be a deceiver. He will seek to deceive. He will lie. It's important that Paul, Paul wants, wants this church in Thessalonica and, and us to, to know that we've got an authentic faith, not one that's going to be easily deceived or, or tricked when, 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 there's, when, when these things happen. But it's not also it's not helpful to think about, uh, there's, I think, plenty of books written and you, about, oh, is, was this person the Antichrist? Is this person? It's not helpful to think about that. If we, if we look in uh, the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes, you're not going to know the time, you're not going to know the hour. So don't waste our time trying to think, is, is that, was that person the Antichrist? Is that person the Antichrist? Let's not get bogged down into that. Verse 5. Don't you remember that when I was with, was with you, I used to tell you these things, and now you know what is holding him back, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. That that the one who holds him back, that speaks of God's sovereignty, his Holy Spirit holding him back. In the midst of this darkness, in the midst of, uh, of pe- people suffering in this church here, and, and, and for us, even in the, the midst of darkness, when we, if we find, when, we, when we find ourselves in dark times, we should hold on to God's promises, knowing that he is sovereign. We should find comfort in the fact that, that no matter how dark uh, the, the description of this man of lawlessness is, this, this antichrist is, no matter how, how dark that is, that God is still king and ruler over this world. It applies to the, to the end times, it applies to, to, uh, to these dark times spoken about here, and, uh, but it also applies to, to Monday morning. You know, you find yourself in a, in a dark place, maybe at work or at school or university, and you, you find yourself there. Maybe you're the, you're the only, only believer there. You kind of feel very isolated and on your own, and it feels like a really dark place. He's still sovereign. He is still Lord. He is still with us. He is still with you. He is Lord over all. He is in control. He is sovereign. He is, by his spirit, holding this back until the proper time. But there's one more description in this passage to, uh, to notice. The most powerful description in this passage isn't of the Antichrist, you know, we're given a few details uh, there, but uh, isn't, isn't this man who sets himself up against God in the temple and proclaiming himself to be God, the most powerful description in this passage is of Jesus. Verse 8, Then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth, and destroy by the splendor of his coming. Paul says that Christ will destroy the Antichrist with, with the, the breath of his mouth. The breath of his mouth. Imagine, can you picture that? You know, our Lord Jesus Christ can destroy all this darkness by what the breath from his mouth. Literally the spirit that comes out of his mouth. That is the power of Jesus. That is the power of Christ we 
follow. Our hope is, is rooted in him, that one day he will return, wipe away every tear, roll back the curse, and make all things new. And again, just like what I was speaking about, about his sovereignty applying to end times, but also applying to Monday morning, so it is the case with his power. It applies to end times, but it applies to Monday morning. It applies when you make big shouts like going to, to Frankfurt. His, his power, his sovereignty is with you. It applies tomorrow morning at, at work or uh, just in difficulty, whether it's at, at work or just a difficult, difficult, painful situation. You just feel weak and helpless and hopeless. His power is, is, is true. His power is available to you and I. It's not just some far-off promise in the distance. It's a promise with us now by his Spirit. Powerful to, to save, power to, to heal, power to transform. Maybe you find yourself just stuck in a, in a pattern of behavior and you just think, oh, how can I, I can't break free from this, I can't change. His power is available by his Spirit for those that know and follow him, to change us, to make, it, make us more like him. Power is in the detail of our lives. Sovereignty and power. Verse 9. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. We talked about that, didn't we? His, this, this deception, the lies. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie and all the ways that wickedness deceive those who are perishing. So it says all sorts of displays of power. These aren't sort of um, rabbit-out-of-a-hat tricks. You know, there, there, is, there is power, and, and some will be deceived by it. Clearly, Paul, Paul is writing this not... Uh, Paul is writing this because he's concerned that some of his, his, his believers in this church that he loves and cares for in Thessalonica will be deceived. That's why he's writing it. Yeah, he, he said, I told you these things, and I, I don't want you to be deceived, and so we must make sure that we're not deceived either. If, if they can get deceived, we could, we could be deceived, and, and yet that's not what Paul, Paul wouldn't want us to be deceived. These, the, there's power in, in what the enemy does. In... Uh, C.S. Lewis's book, uh, Screwtape Letters. If you've, if you've read that, it's kind of a, a, a master sort of uh, demon trying to teach his younger apprentice and, uh, you know, how, to, how, to, how to get Christians, how to get believers. And he writes, our, our, I think he writes something like, our, our, our policy now, our strategy now is one of concealment. One of kind of, oh yeah, we don't really exist. And I know we don't talk about it a lot and, and that's fine, but it, there's power in these things. There's power. In, in the book of James, uh, he writes that... Um, even demons believe, believe in God and shudder. These aren't, these aren't kind of mystical things. I know, you know culture would kind of put the enemy in a, in a red suit and uh, make, make it light-hearted and, and so on, but there, there is darkness and there is power in, in these things. Even, I'll touch on a very unpopular one since I'm here. Halloween, okay, we just, we just passed it. And culture would see it as very kind of fun and, and, and pumpkins and all about pumpkins and sweets and so on, but there is, there's some darkness here, folks. There's real darkness here, folks, particularly those of us with, with families and so on. Let's be, be alert to that. They're not kind of to be uh, underestimated, the power of, 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 of these things, the power of the dark side, um, I sound like, but there is power in these things. Paul writes, there is displays of power. Satan, he's an, he's an enemy. He doesn't fight fair. He isn't fictional, stupid, or weak. Let us not pretend or, or, or sort of downplay that, that he is. There is real power. He, the Bible writes about he, he prowls around seeking for those of us to, de, those to de devour. Let us not be, be caught up into his traps. Jesus, in fact, himself prophesies many of these things in Matthew 24. He says, many will come in my name and, and will deceive many. Many will be deceived. Folks, let us not be those who are deceived. 
One of the most frightening uh, verses, I think, in, in, also in Matthew, I think, is uh, Jesus writes, many will come in my name and say, I, I did this in your name and I did that in your name. And they say, I don't know you. Folks, let, our, let our, our faith be authentic. Let us not be deceived by the schemes of the enemy. Verse 10. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. And that, folks, is, is the warning. The day has not yet come. This day has not yet come, but it will. Right now, it's not too late, but one day, it will be too late. And that should spur us on to share the good news, shouldn't it? That, that, that it's not yet too late. One day, it will be too late to share the good news, but right now, it's not. And that should spur us on to share the good news and to remain steadfast to it. Paul, he's not trying to scare them or scare us, but he, he wants this church in, in Thessalonica and us to have courage and character in dark times. Courage and character in dark times. But there is good news in these verses as well. Back to verse 1. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ. Is he yours? Do you know him as yours this morning? Do you know he can be yours he died on a cross because, because he loves you. To pay for, for all our sin and to bring, to bring you to himself. His righteousness, ours, which is to, it's just to say that, that when God looks at you and me, for those that know and follow him, he sees Jesus. He sees us as perfect, like Jesus. Perfect and holy, even though we're still a work in progress. Today, can you call him yours? He died on the cross so that we could. He died on the cross so that we could call him ours. He's mine. And I'm his. He goes on, and being gathered to him. As I said, not, not, not kind of working our way to him, sort of earning, striving, trying harder, but being gathered to him. Peter writes, for Christ also suffered once for sin, the unrighteous for the unrighteous. Why? To bring you to him. To bring you to God. To bring us to him. That's why he suffered, to, to bring us to him. Not that we have to, to work our way or, or, as I say, earn our way or anything like that. But he died to bring us to him. This is how much he loves and cares for us, folk. That he would suffer, not because, not because you're a good person, not because I'm a good person, but because he loves us, because of his, his, his gift of grace. He continues, we ask you, brothers and sisters. It's speaking of adoption. Not only are we, are we forgiven and we made, made righteous and holy because of the cross, but we're, we're adopted into his family. It's why we talk loads here about, about community. It's because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We love and we care for one another. We think the best of one another. We're quick to apologize and forgive one another when we get it wrong. And, and yes, we're, we're all different. Okay, We're all so, so different. And uh, in one way, we haven't really got much in common. You might look around and you think, I have not got much in common with, uh, with folk here. But, but we have everything in common when it comes to what matters. We have everything in common when it comes to what matters. All the other stuff, it doesn't really matter. But, but the fact we, our lives are given over to him, the fact we're followers of Christ, means actually we have everything that matters in common with one another. Maybe you're looking at uh, trying to find a life group or a, a running, running partners. If you don't know what they are, life groups are just small groups, meeting homes or sometimes online during, during the week. Um, and it's just, 
a community. You can read about it, Acts 2.42. It's just people gathering together, eating together, sharing the word together, praying for one another, supporting one another. Just wonderful community. And you might think, oh, I just can't find a, a, a life group that, are, uh, that I kind of fit into, that are, I've got a lot of people in, in common with. Folks, you have. You've got everything in common blood of Christ. For running partners, it's just maybe twos or threes getting together, running, not quite literally running, but just running through life together, so to speak. You know, high levels of accountability, supporting one another, encouraging one another. Hey, keep going, don't stop. Again, you might think, I can't find two people with anything in common with me. Folks, you know Jesus, you've got everything in common with each other. Ben and Sarah, as they go off to, to Frankfurt, you might think, oh, well, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll pray for them, we'll get a postcard, but hey, we remain brothers and sisters in Christ, yeah? We, we're still connected. If you've ever uh, traveled and you're, uh, you're a believer, or just been to a different church, maybe, you know, um, you know, visiting friends or something, I've been to a different, different church, you, could, you can speak to some people in that, in that church, and you think, oh, hold on, we've, we've, we've got some sort of connection, I don't know you, I've never met you before, I may never see you again, but we've, we've got a connection, and that's the, the family, the body of Christ, isn't it? We're part of the body of Christ. And so when Ben and Sarah go, we remain connected by the body of Christ. It's not just some affinity, it's the body of Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ. Like, uh, you know, Shakespeare said, when folks go like Ben and Sarah, it's sweet sorrow, isn't it? You know, it's sweet sorrow. We're, we're sad to see them leave from among us. We're not going to see them week to week and in life group and so on, but... But we're, we're also, it's sweet because we see that God has got his hand upon their lives and is sending them and we remain connected to them. Mish, brothers and sisters on a mission together. When we take communion, we're going to do communion today? We're out of cups, we're not. When we take communion, uh, <laughs> when we do do it, it's, it's, it's a wonderful sharing of the body of Christ together. That meal, sharing of that meal together. It's not just some sort of, ceremonial thing of, you know, a, a cracker and a, a bit of juice. It's, a, it's powerful. It's, it's sharing the body of Christ together. Folks, do you know the wonder, the wonder of what Christ has done for you? Yes, there will be times of, of darkness ahead, not to, not to scare you, but folks, don't be deceived. Have courage and character in those times. But he's sovereign. He's powerful. He has had and will have the final words. And therefore, we don't need to fret or fear or worry, all those things that uh, Paul wrote about at the beginning. You know, don't be fearful, don't be unsettled, don't be alarmed. Let us be confident, let us be peaceful, trusting in our all-powerful, all-sovereign God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the, the wonder of your gospel, Lord, that you would choose us, Lord, not because of anything that we deserve, Lord, not because we, we can earn it, just your free gift of grace, Lord, that you would rescue us, you would sh show us mercy and forgiveness. Lord, we don't, we don't deserve it. We're astonished at, at the fact you would, you would go, die on the cross simply to make us yours and that you might be ours, Lord. I pray for all of us, just a fresh revelation of that, that amazing truth right now, Lord, that you, you died on the cross to make you ours, and that we might be yours. That is astonishing, just, just that, Lord. Lord, I pray when in, in, dark, in dark times that we would just know your, your Holy Spirit with us, Lord, we would just hold fast to your truth, to your sovereignty, 
I thank you that wherever we go, your, your Holy Spirit goes with us, Lord, that we can hold on to your promises. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the free gift of grace. We say that we love you. Amen. Shall we stand? And we're going to respond in worship.